Welcome to Aim High, Grammar Kingswood's alumni podcast. In this podcast, you'll hear from the voices of students, alumni, staff, and faculty who embody the values of the Cranbrook community. This episode is brought to you by alumni.fm, a CK alum podcast production company with a mission to connect people through stories. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Welcome, everybody. This is Aim High, the CK alumni podcast. My name is Robert Lee, and with me today is my really good friend, Sean Gu, who I've known since freshman year. Sean Gu is class of 2015, so same class. We went through high school together, went through college, still talked pretty frequently after college, and both from Michigan. But you know, I'll, I'll hand it over to Sean. You know, Sean, give us a little intro about yourself. What are you doing and what are you up to? I guess work-wise, I'm doing some software development work based out in, in Seattle, but I've been working from home the past year. I guess other stuff I've been up to, I've been doing competitive weightlifting last few years. So most of my free time is dedicated to that. Just had a um, national competition in Detroit earlier this month. So took the rest of July off and probably will be getting back into it in August. Awesome. Uh, so you're sticking yeah, with it. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still some stuff I want to do with it. So yeah, staying with it for now. That's a pretty big deal going nationals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And well, it's been something I've been working towards for the uh, past three years. Started competing officially in 2019 after I joined the UMish club team. So I guess nationals has been the main goal for a while. Now that's over with. There's still some numbers that I want to hit, potentially some other competitions I want to do. So not quite done, but we're getting there. You know, on, on this point, like Cranbrook podcast, right? Tell us a little bit about how you came to Cranbrook, what attracted you to it. We'll probably get to the point where you talk about your weightlifting. <laughs> Okay. I don't know if that's something the audience actually wants to listen to, but I guess going back to why I went to Cranbrook. Well, I grew up in Troy, Michigan, went to the public schools here. I went to Wasso Elementary School and then later Smith Middle School. And I was supposed to go to Troy High. Then obviously I ended up going to Cranbrook. And the main reasoning behind it was, I guess at the time, my parents figured that education was never like a bad choice of investment. And I guess this was, when was this? After middle school, that time period was kind of, I guess, when we were recovering from like the 2008 financial crisis. So I guess back then my parents figured, you know, a lot of investments aren't doing very well. Maybe the best way to go about it is just to invest in our kids' education. They ended up sending me to Cranbrook. So I guess that's, uh, that's how it initially started. Cool. Did you know about Cranbrook like before you applied or was this kind of like uh, your parents just told you? I've been to the campus several times just like before in elementary school and middle school just to visit the uh, science museums. Because I guess back then I was like really into that, which is funny because after I started going to Cranbrook, I didn't go to the science museum once until senior year when I guess we had nothing better to do in Mr. Green's AP bio class and we ended up taking a trip there. But uh, yeah, crazy thing. <laughs> I haven't been there once after starting there as a student, but I used to go fairly often as a kid just because I was like way into dinosaurs back then. I actually still have, yeah, it's actually right behind me over there on the piano. The listeners can't see this, but it's like this model Tyrannosaurus Rex that I bought actually at the Cranbrook Science Museum. Yeah, this must have been fifth grade, fourth grade, probably. Yeah, it's still sitting back there. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, same. Like I think while I was doing there, probably went there in freshman year, also for class, but then afterwards just never went. I guess the most memorable part is just the dinosaur outside. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's kind of crazy when you think about it because when we're there, 
a lot of the things that we now kind of miss back then we didn't really think much of it science museum being one of them also the campus itself now when we go back we sort of you know hit with the realization it's like wow like we had so many great things surrounding us but at the time when we were there it just felt like something that was every day so we didn't really take note of it and now when it's not there we're kind of like wow like that was actually quite something yeah like the more years further away from graduate from grammar like the more appreciate the place yeah for sure definitely and definitely you know to your point is like kind of realizing yeah there there is so much on campus that for some reason we just never thought about <laughs> kind yeah. of stuck stuck within our own little little bubble in the way agreed agreed so then sean tell us a little bit about what's one of your most memorable moments at cranbrook most memorable moment like sophomore year wilderness was a good experience that it was like pretty novel and unique for me at the time. Besides that, probably senior year cross country, which I guess you were also a part of since I convinced you to join for that last year. Yeah, I guess both of those were thrown into a, uh, a scenario where you guys had a common challenge to face and you sort of face adversity as like a group, which I think is always a, the best way to bond with people. So I would say wilderness and cross country were definitely two of the highlights of uh, my time at Cranbrook, especially since um, I guess growing up and really I wasn't involved in anything that was like sports related. So I never had that kind of team experience, for lack of a better way of putting it. I think cross country, especially senior year was um, when I finally got like a dose of what that felt like. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We were in the same wilderness group too for WE44, right? It was you, me, Constantine, yeah, Nikki T, Libby. and then a whole bunch of girls. <laughs> yep, yep. And then uh, on the point challenge, I just remember like one of the most memorable things about that trip was like sitting through lightning storms and just trying to stay positive, not yeah, to yeah, break yeah. down mentally. I mean, I found it fun. As the lightning, the thunderstorms start, and then we're just all separated, right? And then we just sit in the rain, pouring yeah. rain for like 30 minutes. <laughs> I think it's during those moments when all your basic needs are not met. Food, security, you know, that kind of stuff. When you really find out what everyone's made of and, you know, who is like a member who's who's worth having around, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just pushes you, right, in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Learn a lot about people that you won't otherwise just through, I guess, normal interactions, through yeah, safe, we're like, comfortable scenarios. Yeah, I mean, granted, we're like two two weeks two weeks together yeah. in the outdoors. That's why you hear all those bad stories uh, about certain people from other groups, which I guess didn't apply to us. I think ultimately, looking back, we had a really good group. Yeah, definitely. No, I loved it, man. I think that was, that was also probably one of my favorite times about Cranbrook. Lost learn. That kind of kicked off just interest in being outdoors and being to hiking and camping. Yeah, et cetera. for sure. I guess experiences that stick out in my mind would probably be those two. I mean, there's other, I guess, little smaller moments just all across my entire experience there. But uh, I guess those two are the ones that stand out the most for me. Yeah, definitely. Again, like with wilderness, thinking about how everything tasted good. Yeah, right, for know, sure. I, you realize toilet paper is a luxury. Trail mix, something that I would never eat, tasted so good. Just when you're deprived, <laughs> just uh, everything else. Yeah, just la laughing. I don't know, even like eating a, lot, a ton of cheese and <laughs> just feeling good from that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then, you know, looking into cross country, you know, the most memorable thing is like cones, right? Yeah, the PR cones, man. The PR cones. That's what you, that's what you worked for. Yeah. Was your fastest time? Do you remember? Um, I think 1831, I want to say. I never broke 18. 
which is something that I still regret to this day. Because I, I only started taking cross country more or less seriously my junior year of high school. Before then, like I was there, but I wasn't really there, for lack of a better way of putting it. I think if I started working at it sooner, say like freshman year, I think I could have gotten into the high 17s, which would have been nice. Yeah. You know, when I think back about cross country days, you were like, we were all like scrawny your kids just because of cross country. Oh yeah. All that running will do that to you. <laughs> I think I was, I was the same height as I am now. I was about like 5'11". My mom will probably flip when she hears me say that. She always likes me to tell people that I'm like 6'1", but I'm like in between 5'11 and 6 feet. But anyway, I think I was a hundred and 45 pounds back then which is for my height is like pretty underweight i would say but like i said before a lot of running will do that to you yeah how much do you weigh now and now we'll get into how do you get into weightlifting <laughs> at my national competition i weighed in at 79.5 i think because i'm in the 81 kilo weight class let me see what that converts to that's 174 pounds so yeah i i put some weight on since then so how, how did you start weightlifting Senior year after cross country was done, I actually didn't end up doing track that spring because of water wars for all things. And also, I guess some other stuff was also going on. I just wasn't really into it anymore. But that's pretty much when like my running stopped completely. But I still needed something else to do physically. And I figured like... I don't really play any other sports, know how to play basketball or soccer or anything. So I don't really have anything else to keep active besides running. So I figured like I might as well just start working out or whatever. Put some meat on that 145 pound frame. I started going into the Cranbrook weight room. I think a lot of other guys can probably relate to that. The ones who also at Cranbrook with us, seeing John Tenuta up there. Yeah, and he actually showed me the basics and I just started there. Then I kind of just figured everything else out on my own. That's more or less how it started. I guess the barbell stuff, the working out. The Olympic-style weightlifting didn't come into the picture until a little while later, but I guess that was more or less how my uh, relationship with barbell started (laughs) after cross-country. Yeah. So then when you got into Michigan, now after I graduated from Cranbrook, we both went to University of Michigan. You joined the lifting team, right? No, the UMich Club weightlifting team actually wasn't even around back then. So when I first joined freshman year, I kind of just worked out on my own at the CCRB and then later the IM building. I think... Ultimately, for any person who just goes to the gym recreationally, you kind of reach that like crossroad where you're not really happy with just going to the gym to, I mean, I guess some people might be content with that. But for me, like I was at that point where I'm not really happy with just going to the gym to hit numbers. Like either I'm probably just going to let this go completely because I don't really see any point in purpose of just going to go or I'm going to compete. And that was sort of something that was in the back of my mind, I think starting like early junior year that was a, actually around the the time of the uh the rio olympics back in 2016 and um like i always knew what olympic weightlifting was because i remember watching like cctv like china central television as a kid and seeing like chinese weightlifters like dominating so i knew what it was and then i guess around that time i started watching videos related to weightlifting on on youtube and stuff like that and i figured like this is kind of cool you know i want to do this i ended up buying a book 
off Amazon that anyone who is in like the U.S. weightlifting scene, like they'll know this book when I bring it up. Um, they can probably guess what it is like right now if any like any of the audience members do Olympic weightlifting here in the U.S. Greg Everett's like complete guide to Olympic weightlifting or whatever. So I basically bought that book and just learned the lifts from there and like everything else along with the sport from that book. This was like early junior year. And actually, fun fact, I'm just as an aside, the coach that coached Greg Everett, who wrote that book, is actually now my coach. So looking back, it almost feels like I've gone full circle. So going back to, I guess, the original topic at hand, I learned the lifts, and this was late junior year. I knew I wanted to compete. So uh, I think this was winter of 2018, right before the new year. I was like, when 2019 hits, I'm going to sign up for a competition, and I'm just going to like do it. And so I did. I think my first competition was in February of 2019 basically coached programmed myself and walked myself through the meet and i ended up doing like pretty well i went made all my attempts and it was not too long after that i ran into someone who was on the weightlifting team at um, u of m which at that time was actually just getting started and she introduced me to the guy who was the captain of the team and he saw like the videos i sent him and he's like i want you like on the team to train and compete for us and that's essentially how all of that started back in um, 2019. And fun fact, the person that I ran into at the IM building who introduced me to the team, her name is Jessie Militech, and she's actually the twin sister of someone else from my class, uh, Sam Militech. Anyone else remembers? So small world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have Jessie to thank for basically everything weightlifting related that I've done like after March 2019 <laughs> up to now. Yeah, yeah. So there there was a slight gap, though. It's like freshman year, you weren't doing it. I'd always been training consistently, but I guess freshman year, maybe not as the most focus. Because then, like I was saying before, I was kind of at that point where, like, where am I going to take this? Is it just, like, something that I do to do? Or am I actually going to do something that I believe is worthwhile with it, you know? But um, looking back, like, I'm glad, even though I wasn't 100% focused on it, I still kept in my routine and kept through because I think everything through that period, whether it be the little things I did freshman year or sophomore year or junior year, it paved the way for everything else. I would say like it built the foundation because at that point, if I wasn't in a state that was ready to be accepted by like the weightlifting team, then like none of this would have happened anyway. So I think everything building up to that, I think like ultimately it, it worked out in a sense, even though the paths might not have been crystal clear along the way. But I guess ultimately I got where in the back of my mind, I knew where I wanted to be. So, okay. So weightlifting powerhouse. And I think lesser known fact about you is that during the same time, you're also doing ballroom dancing, right? I was actually, when did I? Because ultimately I made the decision to focus on weightlifting completely just because it was, it's really hard to be competitive at two things at the same time when they required more or less like differing like physical adaptations, it gets to a certain point where your recovery is greatly affected if you try to do both things at once. So I had to make my choice. And also there were some other factors that were involved, but that was the, the main thing. Like ballroom dance was also one of those things where in the beginning I was like there, but I wasn't. And then later on I got more serious and more into it ultimately with the goal of trying to be the, the best I could be. I guess reflecting back on ballroom dancing, I would consider it one of 
the regrets from college that I do have, I don't think I made it to where I could have been due to a um, variety of different reasons. I kept up with it for pretty seriously, I would say, starting junior year through senior year. Winter semester of senior year, I did ballroom and weightlifting at the exact same time. I think our, our team training sessions for weightlifting was four to about 6.37. And then at night, right at like after dinner, I would go to the dance studio and practice. But I took an extra semester, if you remember, after my senior year. And coming back from that summer, I made the decision to just stick with weightlifting because um, there was like some things I wanted to, to do with it that was at the time, like I knew like that's where my like main focus needed to be. But I mean, it's just interesting because I think for most people, like ballroom dancing and weightlifting are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, they kind of so what, are. So what was the common pull factor for you? I think about it, it's, I guess ballroom, maybe not as much as weightlifting. Since ballroom, there is another person involved, like your partner. But I guess what attracted me to weightlifting the most in the beginning was everything is under your control. Yes, there's other factors involved that could affect your performance, your coach, your teammates, your training environment. But at the end of the day, if you put in the work, it's up to you to do what you need to do on the competition platform. No one else can do it for you. It's completely up to you. Like I think that is what attracted me to weightlifting because it was black and white in the sense that, yes, it's hard, but all of it is like within your control. Like You dictate the outcome, essentially. And I guess ballroom was also like that. But not quite in the sense that you do have another person in the equation. But what I learned through ballroom was and that also, I guess, applies with other stuff that you do is there is always something like no matter what the dynamic is between you and your partner, there is always something that you can work on your own in order to improve the partnership and the dances you like the performance that you produce as a whole. I guess in a sense there, it's also that sense of control for lack of a better way of putting it. There's always something that you can do. Like the power is in your hands to change your results for the better. I think those two factors for both of these events is now looking back and reflecting on, I think that is what drew me to um both those events to provide some context right like freshman year was like definitely a growing moment for you at you miss yeah yeah um, a part of that was this this feeling of lack of direction and i'm just connecting the idea here because you're talking about how ballroom and weightlifting have provided you more control in over some aspect yeah i think even though i didn't make it as far in ballroom as i think i could have or would have liked i think there was a lot of lessons i took away from it that applied to weightlifting and also in other things that I was doing in college. I think ballroom definitely was the first thing that kind of offered me like a glimpse of something that I could work for and something that would introduce like a sense of direction in my life at that time. Because I think freshman year for me, reflecting back, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I consider that year to be entirely wasted. And I ended freshman year not knowing like what to do next. I didn't know what to major in. I didn't even know why I was there at the end of the day. So I think after freshman year, I definitely made the decision that something needed to change, you know? And I think things like weightlifting and ballroom were, I guess, things in my life where I could set out concrete goals to focus in on and work towards. And that also, I think, paved the way for a lot of the other stuff that I was doing as well. Because a lot of the lessons that you take away from there also apply to the stuff that you need to do in college as well, whether it be classes or whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, talk a little bit more about how you 
I guess, uh, found that confidence right in direction. Because this is definitely something that I feel that everyone goes through at some point in their life where they finish some big milestone, you know, for instance, like graduate and Cranbrook, and then thrown into a kind of new world, a new environment, and are, are lost, just not knowing exactly where to go at that point. Yeah, I think the main issue, in my opinion, like I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I do know for me, growing up, college was always portrayed like in my mind as that end-all, be-all goal that you need to be working for. So all my life up to that point, the main goal was you need to go to college and you never really gave what came after or even during college a thought. You know, that might be different for other people. But for me, that was definitely the case. I guess after graduating from Cranbrook and starting my freshman year in the fall, I was sort of thrown in like this jungle, essentially. Everything was new. Campus was huge. There's so many people. You're finally left on your own to make your own decisions, but you end up in a state due to, like I said, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but due to the way that I was sort of brought up and conditioned all through my life up to that point, now that I finally had like control over my life, I didn't know what to do with it. It's like I said before, I didn't even know what to major in. So that was a shock in a sense. And I think that sort of that feeling grew through freshman year. And ultimately at the end, like I kind of decided I need to take my life into my own hands and figure out exactly what I'm going to do with this and what I'm going to make of my time at UMish. What would your advice be to, you know, current students at Cranbrook who maybe are about to graduate or, you know, students at Cranbrook who are just turning to be freshmen pretty soon? I would say if I could go back and pull my freshman year self aside and sit him down and give him some advice, I would say don't be pressured into doing things just because everyone else is doing it, for lack of a better way of putting it. When we begin our college journey after high school, there's that image or perception of what college kids are supposed to do, like what that experience is supposed to be like. And I feel during my freshman year, being lost, like the way that I was, I kind of went along and did a lot of things that I didn't genuinely enjoy just because everyone else did it. And I think looking back, I would say, I mean, obviously you need to step outside your comfort zone and try new things. But at the end of the day, if you genuinely don't enjoy doing something and you think that it's not like a good use of your time, don't be afraid to like not do it. Even if it goes against the image that's sort of portrayed of what your college experience should be. I think at the end of the day, you need to muster up the confidence to decide what it is exactly that you want to do as opposed to just following along and doing what the majority does and also that it's okay in doing so and not going along with the crowd if you don't feel that what you ultimately want like people who move up from cranbrook and get thrown into like the jungle that is college there has to be some kids who also have that same feeling during that period of time, like experience what I felt. And I think to them, I just want to say that it's okay to take things into your own hand and make your own decisions, craft your own journey, and don't be afraid to do so, essentially. Yeah, one thing that comes to my mind, Sean, is you know, how did you go about deciding what to cut out, what, what to keep on doing? I think there's this experience with any new activity of kind of being on the fence, like, oh, I'm just not sure. Right. Like it, it could turn to something or maybe this is just not for me. But just on that sense. That initial phase where you're actually just trying to find something to dedicate your time to, whether it be what you want to study in college or what you do with your recreational time. 
there's always going to be that initial phase where you're sort of just trying out different things to see what exactly jives with you. I definitely, I would say that I tried a lot of different activities in college. And ultimately, I think the <laughs> what ended up being the one that I stuck through with was the, the, the one that I guess I had doing all along, which was weightlifting. But I guess going back to your original question of how to decide what to cut and what to keep, I think it's easy to fall into sort of that state of like paralysis by analysis. Just because there's so many different possibilities, you could get overwhelmed, I think, really easily with just like things that you could do. Like even if you were to go through all the possible activities and just jot down a piece of paper, like they'll all look really good and appealing to you, probably just because they're all likely endeavors that are worth pursuing but at the end of the day you only have so many so much time in your day to focus on like a certain amount of things yeah i guess the initial phase is the hardest but i think ultimately you will find something that you find to be the most meaningful to dedicate i guess all your extra time and energy to you just got to keep looking. It's definitely a, the hardest part is definitely in the beginning, that transition phase. But I think there's also some comforts, right? You know, and we talked about this before, is the idea of being content with the decisions you make. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's, I first heard that phrase from you. Content with the, what was the context? Just whatever decisions you make, whatever you choose to pursue, being comfortable with that decision. Right. Oh, yeah. I think that's just sort of the idea that no matter what you choose to do, at the end of the day, you can't do everything. So there's always going to be some regrets. There's going to be times when you're at like a crossroad, like many times actually, you're going to be at a point where you sort of have to choose between one, two, or potentially even more like different possible paths to go down. And the way I like to see it is there's not really a definite right versus wrong choices because at the end of the day, you're always going to be left wondering what if you went down the alternate round. And the, the way I like to think about this is, for example, something like Olympic weightlifting. If I were to quit now, several years from now, if I saw like a former teammate or a friend make these strides and hit the numbers that I wanted to hit in the future at like a competition, I would wonder, you know, what if I stuck with this thing like throughout all this time, like where would I be now? But likewise, if that was the path I chose to go down, maybe at the end of it, I'm left wondering if I spent the last three or five years doing something else, like how different will my life be? It's really hard to fit anything else in your schedule if you're also working full time. So yeah, the way I like to think about it is if I did take that path, I'm going to be left wondering what if, you know, I gave it up and I chose to focus in on different things? Like, would my life be dramatically different for better, for worse, you know? So you're always kind of left wondering, like, about the what ifs if you allow yourself to do that. So I think my original point with bringing up that idea to you is at the end of the day, you kind of have to live with your decisions and learn to be content. You just sort of have to learn to make your decisions and ultimately learn to live with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. I mean, to me, it's finding comfort in knowing that you can't do everything, right? And, and just by going through that step of accepting that reality in a way, then you open yourself up to taking more risks and you know, trying more things rather than overanalyzing, like what you're saying earlier, like a paralysis by analysis. And Sean, we're going to come to a close here. You know, anything else you want to say to the Cranberry community and then you'll end off with who do you want to hear from next? On the podcast, well, I don't. 
Who would I want to hear from next? Probably, I'd say probably Nico, our old teammate from cross country. I know he's a... been doing his like west point stuff and he's like now in the military i think that would be some interesting perspective that he could offer to the show and also he's married he seems like he's starting a family so you know you can't have more perspective than that to share with uh, i guess people our age yep nico all right nico carpenter yeah yeah (laughs) cool sean thanks so much for joining the show and you'll until next time yeah thank you so much for having me my pleasure This has been Aim High, Cramer Kingswood's alumni podcast. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you could take a few seconds to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. This helps a lot in getting the word out and making the podcast easier to find. For any feedback or guest requests, please send an email to robert at alumni.fm. Thank you so much for listening and catch you soon.